This is a production from the Yak Podcasting Network. The home for your growing sonic map of local voices united in their commitment to the best in podcasting. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to From the Felt, brought to you by the Texas Card House. My name is Ryan Crow, and I'm your host, along with Sam Von Kennel and Bill Hewer. Uh, very excited about the episode we have for you guys this week. Uh, very exciting things going on here in Houston, Texas. Uh, Bill, Sam, how are you guys doing? Good morning, Ryan. How are you today? Doing good. Good. Sam? Yeah, it's nice to be back all together. I know the last couple episodes we've been remote location, and so it's good to be back at the same table with you guys. And today we have with us a man who probably needs no introduction. Uh, he recently was inducted into the Poker Hall of Fame. Uh, he won the 2003 World Series of Poker and the man responsible for the moneymaker effect, Mr. Chris Moneymaker himself. Chris, how are you? Can't complain. Uh, trying to get ad- adjusted back from uh, Australian time zones. Um, a little jet lagged yesterday, but today I feel pretty good. Good oh, to so be back on the show. So you came here straight from Australia, huh? I did. What, what was going on out there? Uh, just a... Uh, Family vacation slash work trip. So a lot of poker, huh? Not a lot of <laughs> poker. Um, it was more sightseeing than anything else. I mean, there's definitely some poker involved, but more of it was you know, going to the Australian Zoo, Great Barrier Reef, um, water parks. Very good. Do any like scuba diving or anything like that? We're not scuba divers. My kids aren't old enough yet. We did some snorkeling and um, things of that nature. We're, we're uh, about two years away from our youngest being able to scuba dive, and we're all going to get certified after that. Very cool, very cool. I've done a few scuba diving trips here off the coast of uh, Texas, and it's it's exciting stuff. It's it's uh, it can be a little scary at times, but it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I know it's always nice when you get done with a long Vegas series to take a vacation and take a break and get away from it all, so I don't blame you. I'd be doing as little poker as possible. If I'm out of the country, I'm going to take a break. It is a nice little break. You get a, you know, uh, this to me is a break, though, too. I mean, coming down here and playing... Um, uh, and doing appearances like this, it, it's a break. Cause, I mean, I'll go from here to Friday. I'm going to the uh, Seminole Hard Rock to play in a 5K, and then I'll be back down here in Texas for two weeks um, playing in uh, local card rooms before heading off to Barcelona to play another big event. So um, th- these are fun. This is um, a work vacation for me, essentially, that you know, I get to come down and just interact and not have a whole lot of stress and um, you know, last night we had a free roll tournament that ended up costing me two hundred dollars, but that's beside the point. Um, tonight we're going to have a two hundred dollar tournament, and tomorrow's a five sixty. So, uh, a lot less stressful poker, a lot more fun. Everybody just having a good time and cracking jokes, making fun of each other, and it's just you know, it's obviously a lot more enjoyable than sitting there with your headphones on and uh, trying to grind out a five k or ten k. Yeah, a little, little more, little more lighthearted. Uh, what did you guys think about that tournament last night? It's amazing. I mean, uh, every table was packed. We had a waiting list of nearly 30 players as alternates. Everybody who came down got to play, and it was a phenomenal tournament. Chris, I heard you made final table? Did not. I got an 11th, um, close to final table, one off the the unofficial final table. Um, Had a big stack late, and uh, the blinds got up there pretty quick, and bad things happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting tournament structure that we kind of brought over from Austin where it's a you know, the, the first entry is free, but then you can rebuy and add on for twenty bucks a pop, and so uh, and you can do what up to five rebuys yeah, and five yeah. add-ons at a time too. And, and so it, it goes crazy. Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 very it's different from the traditional tournament structure, but people seem to love it. I mean, it's uh, it, it it's it's pretty popular. Well, it and, makes it to where like you know, for example, I was in for two hundred, and I know a lot of people are in for two and three hundred. Um, but then you had there was a guy that uh, sitting to my left, uh, the two people actually that were uh, in it for free and didn't put any money in. 
Um, and one guy was like, yeah, I need to cash this just so I can eat this week, which I thought he was joking at first, but I think he was being dead serious by the time we, uh, by the time we talked. Um, and then, you know, another guy, he was a young college student, uh, asked me if he was going to come out and play the 200 tonight. Uh, he got 12th, I believe. Uh, I was going to play the, the 200 tomorrow night. He said, yeah, I'm a young broke college student. There's no way I can afford $200. I came out for the freebie. Yeah, and that's that's the point. We're trying to do tournaments that attract every type of player. You have kind of your free roll. Free roll. We have the two hundred tonight, and then we have the five hundred dollar uh, PLO tomorrow. Which you know you're going to see a very different crowd for each of those. I mean, we're not going to get the free roll crowd in here for the five hundred PLO. Oh, that, there'll still be a handful, a handful of those players I out know there. Will be. Yeah, the, 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 I, there's the, definitely going to be a different clientele for, yes, for yeah. each. Yeah, yeah, and we're just you know obviously we're trying to just make sure that we uh, you know, we have something for everyone. And the good thing is too, like if you came in last night for the free roll, you you started with ten thousand in chips, and the blinds were one hundred, one hundred. I mean, you had room to, you know, the guy was able to maneuver up his chips. By the time I sat down, um, you know, I if I wanted to survive, I had I had to uh, really kind of buy some chips. But if you start off, if you get here on time and you register, and you're one of the first ones sitting down, then yeah, you have an opportunity to buy in for free and build up your chips. I just wanted to come in late, so I paid the price of having to basically buy the chips to catch up with everybody. I remember watching across the room. You were not the only one who got in for two hundred into that free roll. There were, well, there were multiple a, quadruple. Five K guarantee ended up with like fourteen thousand. Right, price right, roll. exactly. There was a lot of people putting in yeah. two hundred, three hundred dollars into the into the pool. Hey, have you have you played tournaments with that structure before? I played. Yeah, I mean, it's been you know maybe not the free roll aspect, but it's uh, you know multiple reentries and you know. Poker Stars has been doing something similar to this um, satellite structure where they have a like a three dollar buy in and you um, it's like a three x turbo and you just keep rebuying for three dollars yeah. and then finally the add ons like twenty times the amount of everything else so you just basically you have to get to the add on um, you know there, there's all different kinds of structures but I, I mean I do like this structure and the fact that you you know like you said it sort of caters to everybody that you know you can come in for free but you also can you know when I sit down at a tournament like that, it's going to be either all or nothing for me. I'm going to go for max value and try to get in for free, or I'm just going to pay and get as ma- as most the, as many chips as possible and uh, go for first place. Um, you know, there's really no I don't I don't see the value in hitting right. You know, hundred dollar buy in. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to buy chips, you might as well get all your value. And uh, if you're not going to buy chips, I think that's a good way to go too. And yeah, the blinds got they got up there pretty fast. You know, I, I was late at night, but either way, there's thirty five hundred bucks up up top to play for. And if there are those few guys that are in there for twenty bucks or you know, less than a hundred bucks, that's a great return on, for on investment. Bucks. I mean, yeah. thirty five hundred bucks is that's, good ten, night, yeah. that's a good night's that's work. Good return on value. So, so do you find yourself playing more cash games now or tournaments? I mean, I, 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 it sounds like you've been traveling quite a bit. Like, tell us what you're doing. To, I mean. A lot's been talked about in 2003, what happened then, and we can dive into that a little bit. Just I'm sure we all have a few questions. Uh, I know you've got a book out, and, you know, and Darren was uh, one of my partner, business partners was upset he didn't bring his book to get you to sign. But, <laughs> he was the um, one that bought it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, the, um, you'd love to know just like what, what are you doing now? Like tell us about I, mean, I see you wearing the Poker Stars gear. Give us a yeah. little insight into what you're doing now. Uh, you know, I've been with Poker Stars now since I won, which is, you know, fantastic. You know, great company. Really happy to be with them. They've been a great partner. Um Signed on with them about a, probably a week to a month after I won. Um, and then over the last, uh, I want to say, two or three years, I've really been traveling around. And like we just had a moneymaker tour last year that was a $86 buy in series that PokerStars put on. I uh, went all across the U.S. doing that. 
Uh, that was phenomenal. Um, and then I've been going to, you know, rooms in California, starting to go rooms here in Texas and try to, you know, spread the word and get as many people playing as possible and hopefully get some legalization going. I'll be up in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania Poker Stars is, uh, PA is going live um, August 31st, I believe. So um, I will be up in Pennsylvania playing some and doing some streaming up there with Jason Somerville. We're going to do some streaming together. Um, so it's good. It's a balance of a lot of um, trying to bring awareness to the game and try to do uh, interviews and appearances and things to, to get people to come out. Uh, like the Moneymaker Tour, for example, I can't tell you how many people we had come out that never stepped into a casino or never played poker. I haven't played poker since Black Friday. Um, and, you know, it's just a phenomenal thing. And then, you know, obviously going up and uh, playing up in Pennsylvania slash New Jersey and being on Twitch and just exposing the game and trying to get uh, word out there. And obviously, you know, like when I go to California, I met with some senators. We're trying to get it legalized out there. I've met with um, senators all, you know, throughout different states and uh, in the country just trying to get this movement of trying to get online poker back in the U.S. And, uh, you know, we're getting weed we're getting sports gambling we're getting all these other things let's let's get poker in the mix too and absolutely uh, you know we're close on a few states i mean i know new york is you know right there at the teetering point i think that's a really big state for us to get if we can get new york i think it's going to really catapult us into some other bigger states and hopefully nationwide eventually but uh pennsylvania's a big get and we start here next month do you do you know much about uh, poker in Texas and the legal battle in Texas, you know, regarding poker? I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not an expert on it by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I, I do know that you know it's it's a very rare thing. Like uh, California has rooms. There's one room up in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and then you have some rooms here in Texas. And uh, you know, I know that there's legal battles going on. You know, everybody wants their cut, and you know, I know the wind stars of the world don't want poker rooms or card rooms down here because it's going to cut on their business so i'm sure they're i'm sure they're putting pressure i think that's why dallas doesn't have so many some of the, of the rooms again i'm not an expert on it but i've heard that i've definitely heard some of the, the challenges and i heard what happened in houston here uh what about a month ago or two months ago where uh, they came in and shut it down so um you know i'm i've i guess i've always been on the the fringe when it comes with to uh the liberties. So, I mean, you know, I played online poker for years and sports bet, and you know, I'm all about uh, freedoms of people to be able to do what they want with their own money um, and with their own time. Um, so it's interesting because I, I hear people talk about you know you being kind of an ambassador for poker, and, and I mean, most people when they think about poker and professional poker, there's kind of the the pre and post 2003 WSOP which you won, which I'm sure you're aware of that. Uh, but but you're actively going out and you know lobbying and promoting you know th- this effort and th- that's that's great to hear because I think that there's a lot of poker players who who have a lot of influence that just kind of are like you know hey you know whatever but it's great to know that there's players like yourself that are actually going out and and putting forth the effort to it's it's like you're fighting for other people who want to play poker and giving them the chance to play and there are other people that do it I mean there's you know I know Greg Rammer's really involved in the PPA yeah. and. Uh, um, you know, there's different facets, different ways that you could help. And I mean, obviously, I don't know, uh, the PPA might have been resolved, dissolved. It was going through, a, uh, basically being dissolved at one point. I don't know if it got saved or not, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players that are doing a lot on behind the scenes to try to, uh, help legalize the game and grow the game. Um, obviously there's a lot of players that want to play the game and just play the game and that's it. And that's, that's fine too. It's each their own. That's what's so great about poker is 
it's really open to anybody and you can take it play as much as you want or as little as you want or help as much as you want or you know and you know like i have my causes to grow the game there's other people that have causes to use it for charitable uh, purposes and um, so, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of bad in poker, but there's also a lot of good in poker. Absolutely. And speaking of Greg Raymer, he's actually going to be here next month for the, we have a $200,000 guarantee tournament in September. Uh, we may have to come back and square off against him in that one. Uh, see if we can get you back down here. <laughs> yeah. Next, next month uh, is not happening. I've already been told that yeah. my, my schedule, uh, it's, I mean, it, you know, it, it's, I'm, I'm fortunate that 15 years later, I don't have a weekend free, um, it's also bad sometimes too. But, no, um, yeah, and I know I know we're having to reschedule your Austin visit. So we're, obviously we're looking forward to having you in Austin as well, and I'm sure our players there. So we'll definitely get back with you and your guys to figure out when we can get you down there. Um, I know they're they're going to be they're going to be uh, well disappointed you're not going to be here next in Austin next month, but we'll be sure to get get you out there as soon as we can. I said it's a blessing and a curse. You're you know 15 years down the road and you're still busy, but you still can't find time to do some things. That, it's good and bad. So do you see yourself playing poker? You know, for the rest of your life. I mean, like, is this some of the things? Like, do you, do you ever? I mean, you you're 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 grinding hardcore right now. I mean, you're traveling. You're you're promoting it. Like, does it ever wear on you? Well, I mean, you know, what, it depends on what you mean by grinding hardcore. I mean, I just literally spent two weeks on family vacation with my wife and kids in Australia. I'm here. There's worse places to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just uh, now granted, I was grinded during the World Series, and I went, but I only played two weeks. Um, and I usually just go out for the main event. Um, I'm here. I don't consider this really grinding. This is more, yeah. um, you know, promoting the game slash having fun and, you know, working on the side. I mean, obviously when I'm playing, I'm, I'm doing some work, but, uh, you know, it's not exactly the most difficult work by any stretch of the imagination. How much of the U.S. circuit are you going to? Because, I mean, when Ryan talks about grinding and, you know, how it is agonizing sometimes, but it also... You're traveling a bunch. I mean, the circuit's about to go to you know, Coconut Creek in Florida. And so it gets these guys to go to Florida. Sometimes there's lesser destinations like your Oklahomas and whatnot. But you're in Vegas. You're traveling. You're going stop to stop. Like, yeah, it's work. It's hard. But, it's, you know, it's a pretty nice lifestyle, too. I mean, I, I've had the luxury of being able to travel to the circuit, and it's a blast. Yeah, it kind of depends on what you're after and what you're looking to do. Like, I don't really travel the circuit at all. It's, not, I mean, I... I play only the circuit event that's in Tunica, and that's sure. because it's 20 minutes Local, from the house. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that when I go play a poker tournament, I'm bought into it or sponsored or I have a other reason to be there. So, like, when I'm going to the Seminole Hard Rock next week, um, it's because, one, I won a package um, the last time I was down there, and, two, um, I'm in talks with them to, to work with them and uh, be a partner with them. Um I'm going to Barcelona. Obviously, I've been with Poker Stars at the Poker Star Stop. So, a lot of the tours that I go to are um, sponsored slash business type trips from that standpoint. And also, um, uh, I just get to play poker on top of it. But I don't ever really just travel the circuit and play. Um, you know, when I come down and do things like this, this is you know me and my quote unquote off time um, coming and, and doing different things and. Uh, I go to like I said, I go to California a lot. Uh, if you want to grind this circuit, I mean, like you said, it, I think it's a lot of fun, but it can wear on you too. I mean, you know, those stops can get really lonely on the road. That's why you know, you do see people that travel the circuit together, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of friendships that are get formed. Um, I think if you're married and you have kids, it's really difficult to travel the circuit and be away. Um, but again, that's I know. People do it, and uh, more respect to them for doing it because I get to go home and see my kids kind of when I want uh, for the most part. I mean, I can uh, just take a week off and stay at home, which 
you know, some people can and can't do. It's pretty nice. Chris, tell us about life before the main event, 2003. What, what was your life like? What did you do? How, where did you start playing poker? I'm really interested in that. Well, I mean, I played poker with friends. We watched the movie Rounders and started playing around the kitchen table with friends. We played dealer choice. So we were playing AC Doocy, Chase the Queen, Midnight Baseball. Um, we didn't, back then, you know, no limit hold'em really wasn't a thing. And we had a guy that went down to Tunica, and Tunica back in the day had limit Texas hold'em. That's all they really had. There was no such thing as no limit. So whenever it was his turn to deal, he would always pick Texas hold'em because he was the only person that had been down there to play Texas hold'em at that point. And we all cussed him every time he did it because no one wanted to play $1, $2 limit Texas Hold'em. When we're playing all the other games or match the pot games, you know, getting up to $200, $300, which for us back then was monstrous. You know, we're, we were uh, broke out of college. You know, we, we, had, we had decent jobs, but, I mean, at the same time, we had tons of expenses and we were degenerates and gambled and everything else. So we had two or $300, and we, we thought we were doing pretty good. Um, so that being so, you know, started – uh, playing online on Poker Stars, uh, found out when, when I was down in Tunica, someone told me about Poker Stars, and I started playing on Poker Stars and uh, figured out I was doing okay on there. Um, I ended up uh, losing my job uh, uh, during 9-11. Um, I was a traveling accountant for Deloitte & Touche, and when 9-11 happened, they basically cut my whole division, essentially, the traveling division, because right after that, uh, all airline travel stopped for a while. Everything sort of just halted and they basically just said that we're going to go with a more localized approach at Deloitte. So I transitioned and was unemployed for, oh, five months, six months. And during that time, I grinded online and played on PokerStars and supported myself until um, I found a job as a controller for a restaurant group. And that's when I um, luckboxed my way into the World Series of Poker by entering a satellite by mistake and uh, you know, a couple of Months later, won the world, or about a month later, ended up winning the World Series of Poker. Went back to my job for about eight months, and uh, when I got second in the next tournament I played and started getting appearances and things of that nature, I said, "It's time for me to go venture and go pro." Yeah, do career change. Yeah, basically go pro or just be. Uh, I'm retired slash unemployed slash a poker pro. I don't know what you know. Yeah, I've got a lot of titles. I don't know which one you want to pick. How many people were playing in that main event, two thousand three? 839 people. Wow. If, you, if you get confused, you can go watch the movie Lucky You. They use the exact same numbers, the exact same everything. Matt Savage <laughs> was the consultant. so okay. They basically stole my whole year during that movie. That's funny. Matt Savage is a friend of mine. I'm going to ask him about that, why he stole all that information. Please do. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting on my royalty checks. He gets them. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so when you're, when you're there in the tournament... I mean, at what point did you say, you know what, I've got a, I've got a real chance, or did you just ever, did you think, there's no way I'm going to beat uh, this guy Sammy Farha when you get down to heads up? Oh, I knew I was going to beat Sammy heads up. That wasn't the problem. It was um, early on I didn't think I had a chance, and it wasn't until I uh, beat uh, Johnny Chan um, on day three that I really got some confidence and felt like, you know, if I can beat who at that time was, quote-unquote, the perfect poker player. I mean, you know, that's the way he was described in rounders, and yeah. he was like, you know, the immortal, like he, to me, at that time, I really only knew three poker players. I knew Phil Helmuth, Doyle Brunson, and Johnny Chan. Those are the only three players I knew in poker. I sat at Dan Harrington's table on day one, didn't know who he was. I had to go look at his picture on the wall. Um, Phil Ivey sat on my table, no clue. I just saw a young kid with a bunch of chips. I was excited to see him at my table. Because um, back then, you know, the average age of a poker player is probably like 55. And 
um, they were all the all the better players were usually older. So whenever you saw a younger guy that was wearing a online patch or just a younger guy in general, they usually weren't very good. Um, so I was always looking for the younger guys coming to my table to try to take advantage of them because I felt like I was I was better than them. Yeah. And all the old guys were better than me. Wow. So now that you're I mean now that you're one of them, you get to play with all these guys. I'm sure from time to time. Who uh, who out there is just like a star to you? You you idolize their play or them as a poker player, what they've done in this industry. Who really uh, excites you to be able to play with them? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a different question. One that, you know, someone that I idolize as far as a person and someone that what he's done with his life slash what he's done in the industry, and that's going to be Joe Hashem. Um, we, we've been friends for a very long time. He's got a wife and kids, and he's done an amazing job of balancing um, what he does um, – playing and raising his family his son just made a deep run in the main event so obviously super thrilled for him um he's always been a guy i've looked up to and you know felt like you know he's got life figured out and uh a guy that you know proud to call a buddy even though you know we don't see each other very much anymore um he doesn't work with poker stars anymore and he lives on the opposite side of the freaking planet so did you get to uh, see him while you were in australia i uh, did not i was in brisbane and he was busy um i, I would have been in melbourne definitely would have caught up but unfortunately melbourne is you know like anything in australia it's a plane ride away from everything i mean you know it's not easy to get to it was i was nine hour drive to sydney and like a 15 hour drive to melbourne so there was no easy way Short of him flying or me flying to go see each other, it's, it's you know it's kind of like I guess when he were to, if he flies out for like the five diamond out in Vegas and me being in Memphis, I mean it, you know it, just because he's in the U.S. doesn't mean we're going to see each other. We try to always catch up during the World Series. I think this is the first year that we've ever not caught up during during the World Series this year. It's um, you know kind of sucks that we didn't do it, but whatever. I'm sure that you know again he had his family out here this is the the first year that his son uh actually played in the in the main event so yeah i was watching when he was going deep mm-hmm. i thought that would be uh that would be something for the record books that a father son had both won the main event i didn't want his son to win before my son did <laughs> there you go my son can't play for another freaking 13 years 14 years so i i got a lot of hashems to avoid cuz he's got a lot of boys yeah so i got i got i got a lot of years to dodge before my son gets a ch- chance to win and then i i guess you have Todd Bronson out there too trying yeah. to you know, every single year. Um, so hopefully my son can, can get it done and carry on the name. Well, good luck to him. I think, <laughs> I think one thing that's funny to point out is when you talk about it, the, the numbers that have changed from 800-some entries to now 8,000 entries. But more interesting is the way you describe some of the players. You see some of the younger kids wearing backpacks and sunglasses back in the day, and you said, oh, that's fresh meat. Now I think the exact opposite. I see... Some of the older players, I'm like, okay, there's a rock. You know, the ace, king, or better. And I see some of the younger kids with backpacks that are grinding with online patches. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, those are the ones that can mix it up. Those are the ones that know how to make some moves, which in today's game, that's the only way you're going to navigate all the way, you know, 10 days to the final table of 8,000-plus players. And, and so I just think it's, it's funny the way things have transitioned and the game has grown partly because of your impact to it, but, you know, just the way the, the players were back then to now and the light years difference that the game has come. Well, yeah, it's a hundred percent accurate. Like I said, that, you know, I, I tell you to tell people all the time that poker used to be average age, about 55 average weight of about two fifty-five, and poker was a dying game. I mean, Pip, you know, poke, we would lose players in our game because they died off. I mean, there was no young blood coming yeah. into the game. And when you saw a young guy, they just weren't very good because the, there weren't any resources to earn the game. There weren't any 
avenues to learn the game. And, you know, now it, I used to say that it was like going to a high school prom without girls uh, is what basically what a poker tournament was. Uh, but now you start seeing women are popping up all over the place now playing as well. Um, and like you said, I mean, it's it's so different now because back then the old guys were the ones that you kind of respected yeah. and feared or, or, you know, were weary of. Now it's the guy carrying the backpack and, you know, coming in and taking 10 seconds with every decision and trying to – and playing seven hands per orbit and it's like okay three betting when you're seeing you know the three betting jack high or better and it's like okay that's it's a whole new guy it's all new ball game it's yeah it's just it's a completely different way to play and uh you know but it's funny because those guys that are doing that aren't around much anymore either though the guys that are three betting a ton um they've they've been caught up to it the game's kind of reverted back to a more traditional three bet with premium hands, obviously you're still going to have a lot of three betting light, but it's not near as bad as what it once was. You know, it used to be every hand was three bet and four bet, and it was just leveling wars and craziness. And then people started figuring out that, hey, if I just play tighter, um, you know, I'll get I'll get paid. So, and that's that's the sort of the evolution of poker. We go, it goes through cycles. We go from really tight to man, maniacal to you know. Men, we, 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 men raising, men opening. Now we're back to like two point five to three x. I mean, it, 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 the game runs in cycles, and it's usually driven by the internet. You know, po- playing on Poker Stars was always about six months to a year ahead, and whatever was going on there usually happened on uh, in live play. And uh, but that's what's so great about the game is it's always evolving, it's always changing. It's amazing what you can do with two cards. How much longer do you think it'll take till we see women? really break through in the industry and i guess maybe not a a woman main event winner but you know some serious women you know dominating some circuit stops or some european tours or something like that well the thing is i mean women uh i think they would make better poker players if they dedicated themselves to actually trying to play the game professionally i mean the ones that do play professionally are really really good the problem with them is they're outnumbered 100 to 1 right if not more um, I mean, you can probably count the number of like hardcore professional poker player, women poker players on two hands. Um, and that's someone that know, you know, that's me that knows the majority of them. Um, the average public might know three or four. Sure. If that. Um, so, and, but again, like last night, for example, was a good in, example. Um, moved to a table and there were three women at the table last night here at the card house. You're seeing more and more women pick up the game, and like I said, women are more intuitive. I think they're um, if they work on the game, I think they're going to be better players than guys overall. Um, they just don't have the numbers there yet, but I think you know it's coming, and I think it really has to do with more women getting involved because again, it, it's tough to be the one woman in the room with all the guys. But as more and more women start populating and coming in and playing, they get more comfortable, and it gets more accepted with, within. Uh, the women, and uh, you know, I think the the women's growth is our next big growth area because it's really an untapped market. And exactly. when they start playing, you know, when when they see other women playing, they'll come out and play. It's really hard to be that first woman to come in and you know sit there and and, and grind. That's why you you know uh, women like Kathy Lieber, Jennifer Harmon, um, some of these ladies that have been around for a long time, uh, uh, Barbara Enright, and all you know. Uh, they'd been around for a long time, sort of pioneering. And they were, they were, you know, thorns or roses and a bed of thorns or whatever for for ages. And um, now you're starting to see the the effect of women get into the game. And I think it's a, obviously a, a good and a bad thing. I think it's bad because they're going to be good. If you had to bet on uh, a woman poker player winning the main event, the first one, who would it be? 
Um, probably Maria Ho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, her and Lonnie Harwood are probably my be my two choices. That for one, they're first of all they're going to play it every year. Um, and two, they're both really really good. Um, they know the structure of the main event. They've made deep runs. Um, so I guess those would probably be my first two choices. If I was drafting. Yeah, so the other thing, I just just on a slightly different topic, I wanted to say congrats because you recently got inducted into the uh, Poker Hall of Fame. Is that correct? Uh, it's correct. That's awesome. Congrats on that. And that's uh, obviously I think it's very well deserved. I mean, has that has that um, you know, how how has that been? I mean, any uh, anything unique come from from, from that or no? <laughs> uh, I got a trophy, I guess. Um, you mean they don't give you free buy-ins to the main event for the rest of your life for being in the Hall of Fame? Nope. No, you don't get free buy-ins. You, I, don't, I really don't know what you get, to be honest. I got a trophy, like I said. Um, I think that you got a steak dinner, but I, I had to skip it because I was in London, so I didn't even get that. Um, it's obviously a, a huge honor, and I, you know, I'm very thankful that I got in. But again, I don't know like anybody else that's in the Hall of Fame other than a few people here or there. I mean, I couldn't tell you more than six people in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, I wouldn't looked on that. I think it's a it's a it's a virtual trophy. I don't think there's actually a place you can go to for it, correct? But well, it I, used to be in Binion's. Binion's okay. used to have a, um, a poker. Well, back in the day when I won, there was the the pictures on the wall that was the main event champions, and then they had the Poker Hall of Fame, which was, you know, I know like Wild Bill Hancock, and uh, I don't even know who else is up there, to be honest. Um, again, I couldn't, I can probably tell you, see, I, I know Doyle's in there, obviously, Daniel, probably Phil Helmuth, um, if Phil Ivey's 40, he's probably in there. And that's a, and, and that's all I got. Yeah, well, nonetheless, congratulations. Thank I you. mean, it's, uh, yeah. it's, you know, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I think being able to say that you're in the Poker Hall of Fame is, is definitely, uh, you know. And, a, a honestly, I think it's going to be cool for my kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's what it's going to be cool for. Is It's going to be cool for my kids to say, you know. And that, but the thing is, it's, I'm unique in the fact that I've got a freaking effect named after me. You know, there, yeah. you go search a moneymaker effect on the Internet and it pops up with my beautiful, beautiful, beautiful face. So, I, I, you know, my kids are always have that. They didn't need the Hall of Fame, but it's also, it's obviously very nice and very – you know, I, I got three awards during the uh, WSOP, the 50th anniversary of the WSOP this year, and that was what I was more thankful for because those were voted on by the fans, and um, you know, getting three awards of the seven was really, really cool and really important, and so that that meant a lot more to me than the, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, last night I went home and I asked Alexa, "Tell me what you know about Chris Moneymaker," and the Moneymaker effect was the main thing that the Alexa was talking about, and it reminded me of a story I had heard back in the day that there were two professional poker players talking about you winning and one of them said oh this is the worst thing that can happen to our industry and the other said no this is the best thing that can happen to our industry everybody's going to want to play poker now yep. and sure enough that was mike manisau and eric seidel and the, is that right yep eric, eric seidel said this is the best thing that ever happened mike manisau said great another donkey's going to win this tournament i can't believe it yeah so let me ask you this for someone who doesn't know about the moneymaker effect and listen to this podcast like how would you describe what the money moneymaker effect is. Well, first of all, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know what the moneymaker effect is. I think you hit the wrong channel. <laughs> so we'll start there. But if you don't know what it is, it basically is, uh, it's back in 2003 when I won the main event. Um, you know, I wasn't the first amateur to win the main event. Robert Varconi the year before was just like me, an amateur that won the main event. The difference between me and Robert Varconi was, Robert Varconi went to MIT and was a really smart guy. So people couldn't really relate to Robert Varconi. Just because he won the main event and beat all the pros, I mean, again, the guy went to MIT. I mean, 
pretty smart guy. You know, they see. Well, and I think Varconi doesn't really have the, the sound as moneymaker. You know, that's well, really, I mean, that really helps. Obviously, the, the, the name is. I mean, the name. I mean, it, the name definitely helped. But Varconi could have started a boom as well if he was more relatable. Um, you know, when you see me, you look at a guy that kind of looks like you. Uh, you feel like you're smarter than me. I'm just a dumb hick from Tennessee, and you, you just want to go have a beer with me. So people could really relate that if, you know, if that guy can win the main event, well, shit, so can I. And uh, it didn't hurt that my last name was Moneymaker. It didn't hurt that I went up against um, really the axis of evil and Sam Farhall heads up. I mean, he was a perfect villain. I mean, he looked like um, the perfect Vegas grinder, you know, slick. Um, you know, pro, and so he was the perfect guy. To, if it was me versus Tumor Ben Venisti, the, the tour guide, I don't think it's the biggest story. But the fact that you know, again, Sam doesn't get as much credit as he deserves for being the villain in in my story. I mean, Hollywood really couldn't have written it any better. I mean, you had to have um, my bluff go well. You had, to, I mean, there so many things had to happen perfectly. But um, the moneymaker effect essentially. You know, a young guy that everybody can relate to, winning the main event, beating all the pros, sparking a boom when poker was just starting to hit on TV and online poker was becoming accessible and it became the perfect storm of poker growth. And, you know, we went through a decade of just phenomenal, phenomenal growth and um, the numbers at all the events were insane until we hit Black Friday. I think we would have hit 20,000 entrants in the main event by now if it wasn't for Black Friday. Um, and I think we're, you know, obviously we're gearing back towards that. We're, you know, we just hit this year was the second biggest uh, field in WSOP history. I think and it's trending up too. I think, I think next year couldn't end up being the biggest one if it continues on that current path. So, well, I mean, well, we had 27,000 people in the big 50 or whatever. I mean, that's just, that's ridiculous. I mean, the, I didn't even go out there for that because I did not want to be around 27,000 people. Well, here's, I, we went out there, and I, I mean, these guys joke at me because I spent more time in line than I did playing on a table. <laughs> but uh, Well, that's everybody unless you win the damn thing because yeah. you're in line for eight hours trying to get a seat, and then you play for a couple. Yeah, and I know it's a daunting task to accommodate that, those, that many people, but hopefully, you know, they. I think they hopefully they'll realize going forward that, hey, you're going to get some amazing turnouts. You've got to. They know they're going to yeah. get so many turns, and they've grown every year. And I'll, I'll be honest, you know, the, the WSOP gets a lot of grief from players, and yeah. um, but they do do a really good job as far as trying to get that many people in. I mean, it's not an exact science. I mean, you know, you see a lot of the pros are complaining that the 1500s are taking four days, and they shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't take that long to get into the money. And um, but you know, and I'm I always look at things a little bit different than the majority of the the higher the pros do. I always look at the, the rec player. So if I'm going out to Vegas and I've got, you know, five grand to go spend in Vegas and play poker tournaments, if I go play in a $1,500 event, that's going to be pretty much my main event for the year. I mean, that's, that's a big buy-in for a lot of people. And I think it's really cool that the world series makes it last a long time for those people, gives them as much chance as the guys that are playing the 10 K's and the 50 K's. I mean, the guys that are playing the 10Ks and 50Ks want these things to be over in a day or two so they can get back and play the bigger ones. Well, I mean, you know, the 1500s, maybe you shouldn't play some of them. Maybe you should just stick with the 10Ks and 50Ks and let the guys that are playing, you know, the 1500s play play those because those are the guys are out, you know, those those are the 50K buy-ins for those guys. I mean, for, for the average guy. I mean, 
95% of the population that play poker are playing those 1500 those 400 those $600 events. I mean, that's why those numbers are so high for all those events because, again, the highest population of the players are playing those events, and I think it's great that the WSOP is giving them an opportunity to play one and also giving them chips to be able to play. Because I remember back, you know, 10 years ago when – when you bought into a tournament, that's how many chips you got. So if you bought into a $1,500 event, you got 1,500 in chips. Try playing a WSOP event with 1,500 in chips. Tell me how easy that is. <laughs> go, go, going back to the Sammy Farha topic, did you know that Sammy is a, a native or a resident here in Houston? I mean, I know that now. Yeah, I mean, I knew, I've known that for a while, but yeah. at the time, no, I had no idea who he was. He, he used to play at a club I was a part of uh, last year, and uh, I just want to know, have you – Met him at a table since 2003? You guys I played? Have, I have. Did I've, you also you know that we have him coming out to play against you in the tournament tonight here in Houston? The, That's two, the 200 one? Or, <laughs> I, I would imagine he would be playing the PLO, if anything else. Oh, sure. He would not be playing. Is he really coming out? Oh, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Robert Williams is coming. Is, is Robert Williamson will be out tomorrow to play in the PLO tournament. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was talking to him. He heard I was in town, so he's going to come check out the PLO tournament tomorrow. He, He's gonna try and come play cash, but unfortunately, he's got something to do today. Um, Just a curiosity. So, so going back to my question earlier, like how much cash do you play versus tournament? Um, and also, what is your favorite? Like, like, is Hold'em your favorite game, or is it PLO, Big O? Or like, like, I like mixed games. Um, you know, if I'm playing mixed games, that's where I'm the happiest. I think. Um, obviously, I've played the most No Limit Hold'em. That's just you know, it's obviously it's, that's where it is. Um, but anytime I find a mixed game, I'm gonna veer towards that i'm gonna try to play plo or mixed yeah i uh i i so i i'm i'm not the poker aficionado that some of these guys are so i hopped my first plo table as actually here um last week first time sitting down playing plo and i'm like all right i got this how hard could it be and so um you know get my get my hand dealt out i flop a straight i'm thinking all right looking pretty good i'm betting um everyone folds out river the flush i'm like all right good but it pairs up the board and then the guy's like okay son time to rebuy flips a full house i'm like are you kidding me? I mean, it's like, I'm done. I was, I was like, this is... Well, no, no, you don't just give up one time. No, I... There's a seat open right now. You know. All right. Oh, he's like, yeah, hey, come here. I'll show you how to play. <laughs> All right. All right. Less, lessons cheap. Will you ever make your way back to that original table to play baseball and follow the queen and all those games with your friends? Yeah, the problem is is that those games turned into No Limit Texas Hold'em, and some of, the, some of my friends thought they won the main event, and they started playing way over their head. We had to end up killing the game because... Uh, some of my friends were getting hurt because they, you know, they didn't win the main event, but they, they're playing like they did. Yeah. And uh, so the game lasted for a few months. We had some bigger guys come in and play with us, and um, we actually had it at a sports bar up in Nashville, and we played it for about uh, basically whenever the, the TV, during the ESPN showed my episode seven weeks, so we played about seven weeks of it. Uh, we had a few more games afterwards, but it, my friends were just getting hurt and um, – died off do you ever find yourself like today you're going to be playing plo but you're going to be playing one three you know at the start maybe the stakes will grow later in the day but you ever find yourself like still enjoying that or is it kind of a grind playing for stakes now that you're you know playing 5k buy-ins 10k buy-ins and, and things like that like playing one three stakes or i get that question a lot and I, you know i remember playing with johnny chan um me and johnny did some things together after the world series and we went and we played and a NASCAR charity event together, and he treated it like it was the main event of the World Series of Poker. I mean, just grinded hard, and I mean, I really respected how hard he was trying to play in a free buy-in event, and uh, you know, kind of made me realize that you know, whenever you play, you got to always bring your A game, no matter what it is. Um, 
So, I mean, you approach the game a little bit different just because of the, the quality of players slash um, what you're doing. Like, you know, my, my goal in a game like today is to entertain and to have fun with people. It's not to... Um, crush souls, crush souls, and try to win yeah. a tournament or whatever. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm there still to crush your sure. soul and to yeah. you know take all your money, but at the same time, I want you to be happy while I'm doing it. Well, I want you to leave with a smile on your face. Yeah, I want right. you to enjoy me Who crushing your soul. I've got another question. Let's say I win the main event. What's the first three things I should do after winning the main event? Probably not the guy to ask with that one. <laughs> well, now now that you've been through it, what would you have done differently? Go to go to bed. Um, got home, readjusted everything, and turned off, changed my phone number, um, and lost some friends. Was- I went to a strip club and spent twenty five grand the first night. It was fun, but probably not the best best move. Say, can we save that question for when we have Greg Raymer on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, that might be a better. You know, that'll be, that'll be a more entertaining answer. <laughs> well, I bet I had more fun than he did. But <laughs> no, I don't Sounds know. Maybe like not. Maybe not. Sounds like it. All right, guys. Well, any more questions before we wrap this up with Chris? I have a million questions, but we really should have you back soon at the Texas Card House, and I'm sure we're going to do the podcast again with you when you're in Austin. So. Uh, Hopefully I can get there. We, we got, I got to work with uh, Rob and work with you guys and try to figure out when that's going to happen. And uh, it may end up being the spring. It may end up being next fall. I don't know. It's just um, whenever basically poker stars. And if I do uh, join in partnership, uh, coming up with another, it's going to depend on a couple other things. And again, it's exciting, but still um, trying to find time is, is tough. Oh, I'm glad you're staying busy. I mean, it sounds like you really love it. And I guess kind of goes back to, uh, you know, if you love what you're doing, it's not really a grind or it's not really work. That's it. Yeah, I love what I do. So it's not really work to me. That's, I mean, you know, great. I get up every day and I get to play a game for a living and go, you know. And, it, you know, part of the thing that I do, you'll see me playing on my iPad a lot when I'm playing. Um, if I start playing where I get out of line or lose focus, or the game's just not overly talkative, I'll get on my iPad and watch Netflix and just chill for a little while and refocus. That's a, it's a one, one way I always refocus is just to rest my mind and watch a TV show. I've got 15 different TV shows I'm all trying to catch up on and stream and watch, so I've always got something to do while I'm playing if uh, nothing else is going on. Yeah, that's cool. Six, 16 years later, and you're still uh, still going strong in the poker world. That's a testament to that. There's honestly, there's not many people doing it. I mean, you know, I could probably count on two hands the number of players that were playing in '03 that are still playing today competitively, and I will say the the majority of them that are, you know, who they are. I mean, you know, it's going to be Mike Matisau and Phil Helmuth and Daniel Negreanu, um, Antonio Sfandiari, Todd Brunson, and that's about it. I don't know of anybody. I mean, I know there are a few more out there, but not many. Gus Hansen, haven't heard his name in a while. He plays every once. You know, you have guys like Phil Ivey, Gus Hansen. I mean, they're um, they pop up every once in a while. Yeah. And uh, but you know, you don't see them as often. But they're still around, obviously. And then you have Patrick Antonius that's still around. I mean, you'll see him pop up and do things. And, but yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, being in this game for 16 years is um, can be tough at times. 
Excellent. Well, we definitely want to thank you for coming out. Uh, like I said, we will sync up with you guys, see if we can get you in Austin. Heck, maybe maybe by the time you come in there, we'll have some other clubs open. We'd love to have you kind of tour around with us. I know our players would love to sit down at a table. and. You know what would go a long way to get me to Austin? What's that? Come and sit and play PLO with me. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, I, I may do that just to say if I'm going to lose all my money, at least I can say I did it to Chris Moneymaker. So, uh I'm glad we agree on something. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again, and uh, certainly appreciate you having you out. And uh, we'll we'll see about getting you on a table here, and we'll we'll uh, we'll uh, see how this tournament goes tonight. Good luck to you, Chris. Thank you.